Welcome to this God-inspired message from Shofar Christian Church. We trust that you will enjoy today's message and that it will encourage you to grow deeper in your relationship with Christ our Savior. Just from my side, uh, welcome back to all of you. It's really... Um, amazing to see all of you back again it's so good to uh, see you after the holiday many of you I didn't see for a month or some even more and it's it's really good to see you guys again to have you all back in the house of the Lord and uh, have us all come together again as God's people uh, as God's church uh, it's really uh, it's really wonderful and um, yeah I just want to encourage you uh, as everyone has said so far in the worship and the words and also, um, uh, Steph has shared now, let, let's, let's put our hope in God. Let's, at the beginning of this year, make sure that our, our focus and our trust is in Him. And uh, that's very much in line with what I'm going to be sharing this morning as well. I um, just want to read for us from Hebrews. I've been sharing for a couple of weeks now from Hebrews chapter 10. So I'm just going to read Hebrews 10 verse 23, where... The writer to the Hebrews uh, says, let us, and, and, and I just want you to hear the encouraging um, tone of, of the writer's voice. He says, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And... Um, Hope is an amazing thing. I think sometimes it's not something we think about all that much. Um, but um, I think we should. And it's amazing to me when I look at, at movies, especially you know, some of the, the really good movies or, or really popular movies, how often this, this theme of hope comes up uh, in, in, in movies. And, um, you know, whether it's... Uh, you know, the Lord of the Rings saga, you know, or whether it's um, you know, all kinds of other movies, even in, in something like, uh, what was this recent movie, The, the, the Hunger Games? Um, I think the, the, the bad guy in the movie, the president, says um, something like, uh, hope is the only thing that's stronger than fear. Uh, and a little hope is a good thing, but too much hope is dangerous, you know? So, so this, this theme of hope, comes up often in movies, and I, and I think it's, it's indicative of the world, the world's search for hope, our human need for hope. Um, so hope, what, what is hope? Hope is uh, looking forward to something with some reason to be confident of its fulfillment. It's an expectation. I, I just want to read you a, a, a nice um, verse that sort of summarizes what hope is. In Romans 8, verse 24 and 25, uh, many of you will know this, this verse. It says, For in this hope we were saved, but hope that is seen is not hope at all. Who hopes for what, he has already, for what he already has? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. So, so hope has to do with the future. Hope has to do with an expectation of something that you don't yet have. And, and often we, we tend to, to think of, of hope 
only in religious terms, but, but hope is, is not only a sort of a religious concept. It's an everyday concept. You cannot live without hope. You, cannot, you don't want to get out of bed without hope, right? If you don't have hope, you don't want to get out of bed. Um, we cannot effectively approach life in the future without some form of hope or positive expectation. Um, I just want to read you two other passages quickly, just in, in introduction, uh, that, that deal with hope. The one is in, in Acts chapter 27, towards the end of, of Acts, where um, Paul is taking a boat trip um, to Rome, and uh, they hit they a, a serious storm. And it says in verse 20, When neither sun nor stars appeared for many days, and the storm continued raging, we finally gave up all hope of being saved. Why did they take the start the boat trip in the first place? Because they had the hope of reaching their destination. You don't take a trip unless you hope to actually reach your destination. There's, a, there's another uh, nice verse in, in, in 1 Corinthians um, chapter 9, verse 10, where it says, uh, surely he says this for us, doesn't he? Yet this was written for, uh, for us. Yes, this was written for us because when the plowman plows and the thresher threshes, they ought to do so in the hope of sharing in the harvest. Why would anyone plow the ground or sow seed? Unless they had a hope of receiving a harvest. Why would you do any work whatsoever unless you had some hope of some reward at the end of the day? You wouldn't, right? So the very work that we do on a daily basis is dependent on our hope. We hope to be rewarded for it. We, we hope, more than being rewarded for it, we hope that, it, that the work itself will be rewarding. That the work itself will be something significant that makes a contribution that means more than just, you know, sustaining ourselves. That is part of the hope and that's why we work. So why I'm sharing all of that is because I want you to see that, that hope is a, is a very real everyday thing. It's not some other spooky religious concept. It's a very natural thing. Um... And it's something essential to our everyday lives. We cannot live without it. If you cannot enter this new year with some form of hope, then you're really going to struggle during this year. Then you're really going to struggle during this year. Um, Viktor Frankl was a, a Jewish psychoanalyst who lived during the time of the Second World War and who was uh, put in one of the Nazi death camps. And uh, it's interesting, his, uh, being in a, in a concentration camp, a death camp, didn't prevent him from uh, still being a psychoanalyst and psychoanalyzing the people around him. So he wrote a few books after the war and so on. The most famous of them is uh, Man's Search for Meaning, I think it's called. And, and in it he, he, he shares some of his experiences in these Nazi death camps. And, and one of the most amazing things that he noticed and one of the most prominent things that he noticed was that the people who didn't have hope, didn't make it through the death camps. The only ones who made it and who flourished after coming out of these death camps, after surviving Auschwitz and all of those death, Nazi death camps, um, 
were the ones who actually had some form of hope. And he says a lot of interesting things uh, would happen. He said um, there was this one guy, uh, but he also noticed that, that when people had hope in the wrong things, that was always disappointed. And eventually it didn't work for them. So he says about this one guy, I think, who, who, who sort of had this idea that the war was going to end on the 31st of May. And he felt it was like a revelation or something, you know. And, and as the date approached, you know, and the news kept coming in and it became clear that the war was not going to end, this guy's condition deteriorated. I mean, he eventually started getting a fever a few days before this date. Uh, eventually, on the 31st, he slipped into a coma. Uh, on, uh, on the 30th, he slipped into a coma. And on the 31st, he actually died. His loss of hope, because he was placing all his hope on this, that, that the war was going to end. And, and, and when, when this hope was crushed, his spirit was crushed, and all his resistance to all the disease in the camp just crumbled, and his body gave into it, and he actually died. He just shriveled up and died. And then he says there were other people who put their hope, who had lost because their hope was in family, in, 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 in their profession, in, in, in their work, and in, in their standing in society, in their, their health, and so on. Uh, um, and he says, when, when all of these things were lost, but all of these things were finite things. Think about this. They're not infinite things. They're not endless things. They, they're not things that will last forever. They, they're temporary things. And, and, and he said, most people put their hope in temporary things, in finite things, in things do not, that do not last. I mean, we all, to some extent, hope in those things. Family, the love of our, and affection of our family, social standing, social approval, uh, professional achievement, health, all of those things. And, and those aren't bad things. It's not bad to have the hope that you will have those things. But he said, when you place your ultimate hope in those things, you will ultimately be disappointed. And he said, many people would place their hope in those things, and, and then the, the concentration camp, the death camps, would strip away all those things. They'd lose their health, they'd lose their work, they'd, use their, so they'd be absolutely humiliated, they, they, they'd lose their family, be separated from their family, they'd lose everything, they'd suffer the loss of all of those things. But then they'd hope that they would get those things back. And he says, often during those concentration camps uh, times, those really horrible, horrendous times, when the people around them were dying, they would say to, them, to, to one another, nothing that can be restored after the war can make up for what we suffered during the war. And he discovered, and he, and he was sharing that, unless you had a higher hope, it would still be a disappointment. And he says so many people, so many people who were with him in the camps and survived the camps with him, came out of those camps. Those things, you know, family, profession, health, all those kind of things, social standing, were restored to some extent, but it was still a disappointment. And they, most of them still slipped into a severe depression and never actually recovered. Because just of the disillusionment, and the disappointment of those things they hoped in. And here's the thing. If we hope in temporary things, in finite things, in things that do not last, 
suffering will always eventually strip away all those things. If you live long enough, you will lose all of those things. At some, to some extent or another, in some way or another. You will lose all of those things. It's unavoidable. That's the kind of life we live in. You will lose people, loved ones. Eventually, you will lose the ability to work if you live long enough. Eventually, you will lose your health and you will die. The mortality rate is still 100%. Right? You know that. (laughs) So if you put your... It's not wrong to hope for those things. But if you place your ultimate hope in those things, you are setting yourself up for a crushing blow that you will not recover from. So like Tim Keller says, suffering strips away the finite things that we're hoping so that if they are ultimate hope, we will be uh, disappointed and despair. So if we place our ultimate hope in the wrong things, life will ultimately be one of disappointment. I mean, let me mention maybe just one example that for us in South Africa is a a very uncomfortable and a very um, tragic example. I mean, we hear so often of people who, men who lose their jobs, especially policemen and so on, and then they come and they shoot their families and shoot themselves. Just kill, kill off their families. They, 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 they lose their jobs and then they lose their families. Maybe the wife divorces them and, and they lose custody of the kids. And, and, and because that was their ultimate hope and they found their ultimate significance in that, it's just such a crushing blow that they can't handle it. And they, they go and they kill their own families and they kill themselves. And, and it's, it's tragic. It's, it's so tragic, but it, it, it just shows you what can happen if you put your hope in the wrong things, if you put your ultimate hope in the wrong things. And you know, those, those wrong things that we put our hope in, your ultimate hope, whatever you put your ultimate hope in, that is your Savior. That is your God. That is your idol. So if you want to know what is my God, you've got to ask yourself, what is the one thing I cannot live without? If there is something that you say, if I lose this, I don't want to live anymore, that is your God. That is your God. Everyone has a God. Don't, you know, we, we, we think so, you know, religious people have, have gods and irreligious people don't have gods. Everyone has a God, whether you're religious or irreligious. Whether you're a Christian or a Buddhist or an atheist, it doesn't matter who you are, you have a God. Whatever you cannot live without, whatever you place your ultimate hope in, that thing is your God. That thing is what you look to for salvation. And if that thing does not save you, if that thing disappoints you, your life falls apart. And here's the thing, if you place your hope in anything else but God, you will be disappointed. Guaranteed. Ultimately, you will be disappointed. In a fallen world, you know, because of the fall, ultimately all finite things are stripped away through, through suffering. It's inevitable. All that you have will be taken away. 
Now I'm sounding very morbid. I'm <laughs> but don't worry, there's light at the end of the tunnel. We'll get there. <laughs> and, and, and because of this reality, and because so many people so often put their hope in the wrong thing and are disappointed, people become cynical. People lose all hope. I mean, people will, you know, typically, let's just think of a typical example. Someone will say, you know, oh, okay, um, you know, um, maybe the fact that I do well at school, you know, will, will, will win me approval and make me happy. And then it does, but, you know, not that much. You know, and then, okay, you're going to get your degree or something. Okay, maybe if I do well at work. And then even if you do well, well at work, you know, it's like, but empty after a while. You, you discover it's empty and, okay, but maybe if I had someone to share it with. Then, you know, it'll be in. And maybe if I get that, the right, you know, spouse, the li- right life partner. And then you get the right life partner. And um, they don't ultimately fulfill you either. Because they're not designed to. Okay, but well, maybe if I have children and I leave a legacy, then, you know, I'll have that ultimate fulfillment. And all of those things ultimately will disappoint you if you put your ultimate hope in them. They were not... They're not strong enough to carry all your hopes. They're not strong enough. And so many people put their hope in these things and then life happens, divorce happens, death happens, you know, tragedy strikes. And then they are disappointed. It's a crushing blow. And then they find something else to put their ultimate hope in and then that hope is also crushed, that false hope is also crushed. And eventually people become cynical. And there's this, this beautiful scene a uh, very powerful scene in um, a movie called The Shawshank Redemption, which I'm very ambivalent about because it's a very good movie, but the, the language is, is very crude. So uh, I'm not recommending you watch it. It's, it's, it's really, the language is very bad. You'll feel defiled if you watch it. But uh, there's this one, this one scene in the movie um, where one of the inmates, now you can imagine it's a prison, it's much like Victor Frankl in the, in the death camps, you know, most of your freedoms, most of the things that you hoped for have been stripped away in prison. And, and um, this, this one guy, Andy Dufresne, is put in prison um, inno- innocently, um, and he, he starts, you know, he goes through, through a really hard time, and, and he starts sharing with his friend called Red, you know, about his hopes. Um, and, 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 you know, Red says, hope has no place in a, uh, there's no room for hope in a place like this. It doesn't make sense in a place like this. And, and then he says, well, in, in a place like this is where it makes the most sense. How can you live without it? And then, and then Red says this, and, and he speaks, I think, on behalf of so many people in the world. He says, let me, let me tell you something, my friend. Hope is a dangerous thing. Hope can drive a man insane. And what does he mean by that? Proverbs 13 verse 12 sums it up so nicely. Hope deferred makes the heart grow sick. You know that verse? Hope deferred makes the heart grow sick. Hope deferred, hope taken away, stripped away, like so many people experience so often because they're hoping the wrong things, and that hope is deferred, it's stripped away, it's it's destroyed, it's crushed. That hope deferred, that hope destroyed eventually makes your heart grow sick. And you say like red, hope is a dangerous thing can drive a man insane. It can make your heart sick. Rather, don't hope at all. And, and we've all met people like this, you know. You know, you, you share your hopes and they say, listen, you're still young. Don't get your hopes up. Life will get to you. Right? 
and, 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 and we become cynical. We're tempted to become cynical about life. Now, when you become cynical in life, there's, the problem is not that you hoped. The problem is that you hoped in the wrong things, that you placed your ultimate hope in the wrong things and, and were disappointed. We place our, if we place our ultimate hope in the wrong things, we'll be the, uh, at best disappointed when that hope disappoints, when that, when that hope fails. Or, at worst, to some extent those hopes will be fulfilled and we will be satisfied in this life. And we'll only discover when it's too late, at death's door, that we hoped in the wrong things. That's a worse situation to be in. <clears throat> Listen to what Edward Dalton says. He says, But there is such a thing as hope which rests not on truth but on a lie. All such hope is vain and will end at death. But the hope which is built on the truth of God will last as long as the throne of that God from which it sprang. While death tears the veil from the eyes of the soul and puts an end to false hope, it ends the fears and doubts of the man of God and shows him how firm and sure was that word in which he had been led to trust. Death is the great test of a man's hope. Death is the great test of a man's hope. How do you know that you are placing your ultimate hope in the right thing? If that hope can stand the test of death. If it cannot... If your hope ends at death, you're putting your ultimate hope in the wrong thing and you will be disappointed. And it will be a crushing blow. A devastating blow. In other words, here's the, here's the point. Your hope cannot outlast the source of your hope. Your hope cannot outlast its source. If its source is human relationships they will end because you will die they will die if it is human achievement that will pass away if it's possessions you know he who dies with the most toys wins you will lose all of that you've all probably heard the story about the, the two guys you know watching the funeral procession this massive you know beautiful you know, procession, you know, of this rich man. And, and, and they were talking, and one guy said, yeah, this guy was the richest guy in town uh, who died. And the guy can see, it says, I can see, you know, it's an <laughs> amazing funeral procession. And uh, he asked him, so, so what did he leave behind? And his friend said, everything. <laughs> you don't take anything with you. So if your hope is in those things, it will fail. And here's, here's a, another challenge for us. Now, we, we, we lose hope when we look at the world and, and our hope is challenged because we see so much evil and corruption in the world. You look at people and you see, I mean, I, I was just reading a head, news headline about a guy from ISIS who executed his own mother. And you think about the, 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 the thousands of people, even children who are being executed in the Middle East by people like ISIS at the moment. People who's whose heads are, are literally being cut off. It's terrible. And you think, you know, if there's such evil in the world, what hope is there? 
Now, if there's such tragedy in the world, what hope is there? But, but it's not only that. That's not the extent of the challenge to our hope. The challenge to our hope is not only that there's evil out there, but that there's evil in here. It's not only that the world is corrupt. I mean, we look at, at governments and so on, and, and, and we see corruption, and it, it, it crushes our hope. The government who is supposed to take care of things is not. The leaders who are supposed to take care of people are taking care of themselves because they're corrupt in so many cases. And, and it crushes hope. It, it destroys people's hope, and they think, okay, where can I run? I mean, where are you going to run to to find you know, good leaders? I mean, the rest of the world is the same problem. Maybe not the same extent, but it's pretty much the same problem. We look at that, and, but then, you know, it's so easy to point a finger, but when you, when you look at yourself carefully, you realize, but that same problem is in me too. I also have sin. I am susceptible to that same evil. How do I deal with that? How do you deal with the darkness when the darkness is within Uh, I, I, you might know this story by um, the, the stick book by J.R.R. Tolkien, The Lord of the Rings. Who, who of you know about it or about the movies? Most of you probably do. Most people don't know that J.R.R. Tolkien was actually a Christian. And he was born in Bloemfontein, my hometown. Okay? So he's my homeboy. <laughs> but... Um, and most people don't know that he was a Christian and that he actually played a, a significant part in the conversion of C.S. Lewis. Played a, played a very big part in the conversion of C.S. Lewis into to Christianity. C.S. Lewis was an agnostic um, who didn't believe in God. And um, much of his story, I think, was intended, now you can't always see it in the movies and so on, but much of his story was intended to be sort of an allegory of the battle between good and evil and, and, and sort of the Christian life. Uh, you know, I, I think he actually intends the hobbits, these little people who are the, like the main characters in the, in the story, to, to represent Christians, the little people who actually make the ultimate, you know, difference in the world. Um, and there's this story, it's, it's this massive epic battle between good and evil, you know, the evil Lord Sauron who created the ring of power, uh, and how this ring, uh, these rings that he created of power are so tempting to every people and how it corrupts people. And, and there's this big battle, you know, and there's all this darkness. And they're, they're constantly talking about the shadow of darkness and evil that is covering the land. And, and then they go on this, this epic journey to take this ring of power. Uh, Frodo, this little hobbit, takes his ring of power to, to some other mountain where he has to... Th- throw it where it was created supposedly and he's throw, has to throw it in there and destroy it there but it's this, this epic battle and it's so you know it, they, they constantly seem like they, they're busy losing the battle you know and, and at, at one stage you know Gandalf this, this wizard guy the old wise wizard guy says you know there never really was much hope only a fool's hope you know so it's this, this epic journey epic battle good and evil you know uh, being represented there and in the end, you know, Frodo and his, his good friend Samwise, Gamgee's gardener, they, they're in like the enemy's layer behind enemy lines to going, you know, to this dark place. But they, they're tired, they're worn out. There's, there's basically no hope, you know. And um, in the end, they, they eventually somehow get there to this mountain. And Frodo's sort of standing on the, the edge and he takes off this ring 
or he takes this ring from around his neck and he's about to sort of drop it into the lava where it will melt and be destroyed and, and you know, all of that. And then he stops and he turns around and he says, no, it's mine. I'm keeping it. And the, the power, you know, the, the devastation, the, the hopelessness in, in, on, on his friend Sam's face was not just, you know, all the evil that we've experienced so far, but now the evil has affected you. You have been corrupted by the ring. Now his good friend, who went through all of this to destroy the ring, doesn't want, has, has been captivated by this ring. Eventually the ring, you know, I'm not going to tell the whole story, but the ring does get destroyed. But, but that's the, the, pick, the, the, the thing that steals a hope is not just the darkness in the world. It's not just the shadow in the world. It's the darkness inside of us. The shadow in us. How can we overcome that? And there's this beautiful scene where, where they're like sort of close to the end and, and you know, they're behind enemy lines. They, they've, they, there's, there's very little hope. Their water is finished. They, they're so tired. They're so worn out. And um, Sam sort of looks up, you know, past the clouds, past the, all the smoke and the darkness and the um, dirt. And he sees a star up there. And he says, you just bring up the next slide. He says, there's light and beauty up there that no shadow can touch. In the book it says, For like a shaft, clear and cold, the thought pre-esteem, that in the end the shadow only, uh, was only a small and passing thing. There was light and high beauty forever beyond its reach. There's something above us that the shadow cannot touch, that darkness cannot touch. That evil cannot touch. That is not corruptible like we are and like our world is. There is something that is beyond the reach of evil and corruption. That is incorruptible. And that is the only thing that ultimately can give us hope. The fact that there is a God up in heaven who is incorruptible. Who will not fall like Frodo did for evil. Be corrupted by the power of evil. Like we so often are. He will not fall for it. That is our only hope. But even knowing that that is there is not enough to give us hope. We needed this higher hope that is untouchable by evil. That is incorruptible. But as Colossians 1 verse 27 says, it's Christ in us. The hope of glory. Just the fact that there is a God up there that is untouchable to evil, that cannot be touched and affected by evil, that the shadow cannot touch, is not good enough. In fact, that would be a very scary thing. Because we have to stand before His judgment throne one day, and if He is not affected by evil as we are, then His judgment of us is going to be very severe. So to those of us who are touched and affected by evil and influenced by evil, it would be a very scary thing if there was some other God up there who is perfectly good and who must punish all evil. But the good news is not just that there is a God up there who is incorruptible, who cannot be touched by evil and by the shadow, but that that God wants to come and live inside of us. P.T. Forsyth uh, once said, and the quote is up there, unless... You have, we, we have within us that which is above us, we will soon yield to that which is around us. 
the corruption that is around us. The only hope we have is that this incorruptible God, this light that cannot be touched by shadow, will come and light up the insides of us. That is the only way that we can overcome the corruption in the world and not fall for it. So how does that happen? 1 Peter 1 verse 3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to His great mercy, He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. What's the door into that hope? How do you get Christ in you to be the hope of glory? It says there, we are born again into a living hope. Notice it's a living hope. All other hopes are dying hopes. You can have them, but they're already busy dying. Perishing. Fading away. If you hope in things in creation. But if you hope in the creator, it's a living hope. Remember what I said? Your hope cannot outlast its source. What's the source of this hope? The resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Never to die. Never to, to, to die again and never again to be subject to death. If He, Christ, who lives forever, comes to live in us, then we can live forever. If He, Christ, who has overcome sin and death, comes to live within us, then we can overcome sin and death. Or He can overcome it through us. That is our hope. And the only way you can have Christ in you is through the new birth. By being born again. You are born again into this living hope. We are born into a corrupt world, so we are born into hopelessness. But we are born again into a living hope. So the question is, have you been born again? So only a living Savior, Jesus Christ, can give a living hope. So your ultimate hope for the future determines your everyday life in the present. Uh, Hebrews 11 verse 1 says... Faith is the substance of things hoped for. In other words, faith is just living as if what you hope for will inevitably come true, will inevitably come to pass. So how, what you hope for for the future determines how you live in the present. Think about it this way. If you take two people, two men, uh, and make them work for, for minimum wage. Two guys who are poor and who need a job. And you make them work for minimum wage in a sewage plant where it's like stinking and the working conditions are terrible and they have to make, you know, do soul-destroying, disgusting work every day for long hours for minimum wage. And you tell the one guy, at the end of the year, a year of doing this, you receive two million rand. What do you think will happen? The first guy that you didn't tell that to will eventually give up and say, it's not worth it. <laughs> I'm getting minimum wage and it's for the most terrible job in the world. This is not worth it and they'll give up because there's no hope taking him forward. But the guy who you said, after a year of doing this, I'll give you two million rand, <laughs> it'll be a breeze to him. He'll say, no, I'm going to hang in there. If it's only for a year, I'm going to hang in there. I'm going to finish this year because I have a hope of reward at the end of this time. I can bear this suffering for now because of the hope that I have. 
I might even sing while I'm doing it. <laughs> so that is the power of hope. So um, if we live like that, can people see that we are living for such a hope? That we are going through the same sufferings that they are going through, but we're dealing it with, with it differently because there's a metaphorical two million rand waiting for us at the end of a year. There's a hope, an eternal hope that will not pass away, waiting for us at the end of our lives. Are we living now as if what we hope for will come true? Are we in fact hoping in that, that will not pass away? Or are we hoping in something else? How you live today tells you what you hope for, for the future. Where you hope is your ultimate hope is. And when people see that we go through suffering, we go through all the same difficulties that they go through, we also maybe lose our jobs. We also we, we get, get a hard time. Our boss is sometimes nasty with us too. Or we, we lose loved ones. Or our, our health takes a knock or something like that. We go through the same difficulties that they go through. But we do not go through it in the same way that they do. Paul says to, to the, the, the church of uh, Thessalonica, we do not mourn as those who do not have hope. Our loved one also, ones also die, just like the people in the world. But we do. We, we mourn differently. We, do, we still mourn. I mean, sometimes we as Christians can be a bit flaky, and especially us as charismatic Christians, and say, no, 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 you must trust in the Lord. Where's your hope? Where's your faith? You know, you shouldn't even mourn. You know, God is still good and blah, blah, blah. I mean, when his friend Lazarus died, Jesus wept. Yes, he said to, to Mary and Martha, you know, I'm the resurrection and the life, and, and ultimately there is ultimate hope of resurrection. Yes. But he still wept. The mourning is still real. We still mourn, but the difference is we do not mourn as those who do not have hope. If your ultimate hope was in that loved one, think how you're going to mourn. Without any hope. We have hope. Not only hope that death will not be the end, but hope that we, might even, that we will even see that loved one again in heaven. That is the hope. Now, if people see this hope in us, they see us, you know, all kinds of things that they hope in being stripped away from our lives, but we respond to it differently than they do, they're going to ask us, what's up with you? What is this hope that you have that I don't have? And that's what 1 Peter 3 verse 15 talks about. It says, But in your heart set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give a reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. And that is how this hope spreads. This ultimate hope, this higher hope that will never die is when people ask us about it and we say, well, this is what I hope in. I don't hope in the same things as you. I have a higher hope. I have a hope that cannot be taken away. I have a hope that will not disappoint. People want hope. People need hope. And if you have it, they'll ask you about it. And if you have it, you won't be able to help speaking about it. Whatever your heart is full of will overflow from your mouth, right? Whatever your heart is full of will overflow from your mouth. If, if your heart is full of that irresistible, you know, undying, inconquerable hope, 
in God and that Christ is in us and that He will ultimately make me like Him, you will not be able to help yourself from speaking about it, from confessing this hope, continuously, with unwavering consistency, confessing this hope. And that is what changes people's lives. That, that is, then people say, well, I, that hope that you have, I want that too. I live a hopeless life in a, in, in a world that doesn't give me any reason to hope. Or that, you know, the hope that I do have turns out to be a false hope, a phony hope, not a strong, strong foundation to build on. But, but I see you have something different. I want that. I want that eternal hope. And then you can share that hope with them. So, God's promises. It says, let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering. Why? Because He who promised is faithful. Heaven and earth will pass away, but the Word of God will not pass away. Ever. Everything else you can hope in will pass away, but if your hope is in the promises of God, it will never pass away. He who promised is faithful. God is faithful. He cannot lie. Do you know that? God cannot lie. It's impossible for Him to lie. If He looks at you on and sees His, his gray shirt and He says, that shirt is red, it would not be a lie. Because as soon as He says it, it will turn red. <laughs> because God cannot lie. It's impossible for Him to lie. No promise that He makes can ever fail. It's impossible. He never has. It never will. He is faithful. And true biblical hope is always in the promises of God and therefore in the faithfulness of God. And therefore it will stand even the test of death. Make sure your hope is in that. The promises of God are the only living hope that we can have. And then as I said, make sure that you meditate on that living hope that you have in the promises of God so that it fills your heart to overflowing. So it starts overflowing from your mouth so that you can hold fast to the confession of your hope. And not only for your own sake. Not only because you need to do that, but also because the people around you need you to do that. They have no other hope except you in whom lives a living hope. Christ in you, the hope of glory. That is the only hope that people have. There is no other lasting hope. Every other hope will disappoint them. I just want to really encourage you. Let us at the beginning of this year just check where our ultimate hope is. It's, 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 if our ultimate hope is in the right place, then our other hope will also fall into place. Because if God is your ultimate hope, and your ultimate hope is Christ in you and becoming like Christ, then the Bible says in Romans 8 verse 28, God makes all things work together for the good of those who love Him, who are the called according to His purpose. For we foreknew He predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son Jesus, to become incorruptible as He is incorruptible, to become free from all evil and sin as He is free from all evil and sin then if, if your ultimate hope is in the right place, then your temporary hopes will also fall into place. And you'll realize whether God grants you those temporary hopes, like family, like health, like success in your job or whatever else, 
or whether he withholds him or even temporarily takes him away from you, all of that, the, the giving them to you and the taking away of them to you was designed for one thing, and that is to make you more like Jesus. In other words, all of those things ultimately work together for your good. That is hope. And that is the hope with which you understand at the beginning of this new year. I don't want any of you to go into this year and have the realities of life and the suffering of a fallen world cut down your hopes and destroy your hopes and crush your hopes because you're hoping in the wrong things. I want you to have that resilience, that unquenchable joy that no circumstance can take away because your ultimate hope is in God, in Christ, in you, the hope of glory, an unconquerable hope, an indestroyable hope. Do you have that hope this morning? Does it well up in your heart? Can you say, my hope will not be disappointed? Or are you, even as a Christian maybe, placing your hope in the wrong thing? Steph was alluding to it um, in what he shared. You know, so often, you know, you just, Lord, I I need a new job. Or, you know, especially when you're single, it's like, Lord, when am I going to get my spouse? (laughs) And that's what we ultimately place our hopes in sometimes. And then when that is disappointed, we become angry with God. We become frustrated. We become hopeless. We despair. Let us make sure that our hope, our ultimate hope especially, is in the right things. Amen.